This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome back. It's Dan McNeil. This is the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Glad you're with me today as I continue to sift through off-season NFL news and also reacquaint myself with a couple of other games people play in America. And uh, I have my first installment in just a little bit of my bulging Big Ten college basketball notebook. I said it! It's true! I'm back! Danny Madness, that's next month. Get to that in a little bit. It won't take much of your day, and maybe you'll join me in celebrating something that should be celebrated a lot more than it has been historically. How's that for a tease? Don't spend too much time trying to figure it out. I've got some more hockey follow-up for you today, too. It's it's local, and it's, it's live, and a story, uh, even though it's ancient news, news being potentially broken just a little while ago as I was in my car, and listening to Chris Chelios on the Scores Morning Show with Mully and Haw. And he was asked by Mully about if if he could relate to Patrick Kane with the no-trade clause, and if he ever was in that position in his career. And Chelios said yes with Chicago, and he gave some reasons why. He decided to waive the no-trade clause and be, clause and be traded to the Red Wings, some stuff that I'd not heard before. And um, interesting that uh, a hockey story would break. And pa- Patrick Kane continues his his trade me, trade me, trade me parade. He had two more goals last night, and the Hawks won again. And this is why we're talking about the Blackhawks, because one of the greatest players in the history of the organization yeah, potentially will be dealt before the trade deadline early next month. I'll get to the hockey stuff in just a little bit and college basketball, not as near and dear to my heart as the National Football League. And I want to talk briefly today about two quarterbacks whose futures are very, very uncertain. And they are Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens, the 2019 NFL MVP and soon-to-be 25-year-old Tua Tagliaviola. And uh, I don't pronounce an N in Tagliaviola. I think I'm saying it wrong on the back end, though, because there is no N. And you always hear guys call him Tua Tagliaviola. There's no white tongue. There's no N in his last name. And by the way, good luck with the first name. Do a Google search on Tua and look at that first name and tell me if that isn't the longest name in the history of names. Jesse Rogers, get on that. Find me the history of names. So as it is with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens are, they don't seem to be of the mindset to give him 
a long-term contract that's going to satisfy him. He is likely seeking the same damn money the Cleveland Browns decided to pay Deshaun Watson, which, in case you have forgotten, was $230 million. A washed-up Russell Wilson got $165 guaranteed million dollars from George Payton of the Denver Broncos this past offseason. And there are some other quarterbacks who are making mid mid one you know that you have the Kyler Murray range quarterbacks as well so you have other quarterbacks who have set the bar pretty high and why I don't touch this thing if I'm Baltimore I do the franchise tag with them as much as I hate the franchise tag with them but I don't trust this guy to stay in one piece for five more years he already is showing signs of too much wear on the tires he missed the back end of the season and there were some who thought it was Jackson trying to stuff it up the Ravens' ass for some reason, that he was holding grudges because he hadn't been given a long-term deal that could have been behind him not participating. I want to give the dude the benefit of the doubt and believe that's not the case. Uh, You know, and there were people who commented, this is get-off-my-lawn material, how he looks so like he's having so much fun wearing his sunglasses on the sideline. He should be wearing his sunglasses on the sideline. If it's a sunny day, wear sunglasses. Wear polarized glasses. You'll be able to see much better. Even if it's not sunny out, sometimes you can see better with polarized lenses. This coming from a fisherman and a guy who has spent many, many thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of miles over the road driving. Uh, Polarized lenses are for Lamar Jackson, and they're for you. You just may not know it yet. So Jackson's going to want this big contract, and I'm the Ravens, and I'm not paying it. I'm I'm not willing to trust what happens to quarterbacks who play the game like Jackson plays it? And you know who they are. The Bears have one. The defending NFC champions have one. And there are there are a few guys in the league who identify first at the quarterback position, who first identify as real running threat. Jackson, Fields, Hurts, in that order. Tua is is a bit of a twin. And don't give me Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is, an, is a brilliant quarterback when on the move, but he's a goddamn pocket passer for the ages. What, are you kidding me? Of course, improvisationally is what makes the highlight reels so much fun, but I'm not talking about being a YouTube star. I'm talking about being one of the greatest quarterbacks who's ever played the game. And Mahomes, in case you're not paying attention, is trending in that direction. At such an early age, 27 years old, two league MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs at 27, world by the balls. So if the if the Ravens decide to make him a, a restricted franchise tag player and he decides he will report, Baltimore is going to be on the hook for somewhere in the vicinity of $35 million. I thought I saw in Mike Florio's story in Mike Florio's story today, about 35 million for one season for the Ravens. That's as far as I'm willing to go. If I'm Baltimore and if he wants to play chicken and not be in training camp a week before the lid gets lifted on the season, I'm cutting bait with him. Let him sit out and lose almost $40 million of earnings. See if he ever recoups that in his life. And and maybe maybe he would get somebody to, to wind up making a deal. 
but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't. And if they give him the non-restrictive free agent tag, other teams have an opportunity to pitch him a long-term contract and he can get his ass out of Baltimore if he's that unhappy. I, I don't know. But I am not investing long-term in any of these guys, not Jackson, not Hertz, not Fields, just because of the history of how precipitous the decline is. Uh, you you get so many hits. You only got so much of a window to win with these guys. And maybe the Ravens think they're still in that window. The Eagles obviously just got to a Super Bowl with their young quarterback. So, yeah, you continue to roll with Hurts. The Bears have three years theoretically left of Justin Fields uh, before they need to do anything. But... Uh, you know, there's a lot of suspicion there will be something done well before that to try to lock him in before the market gets crazy even higher. And uh, I, I don't know. I'd need to see a hell of a lot more. But I don't really want to talk so much about Fields today as I do the other two. Lamar Jackson. Uh, the Ravens, unfortunately for John Harbaugh, do not have a pick until 23rd in the first round. So they would have to do all kinds of crazy maneuvering to get in a position to get one of the best two, and they're not likely to do it. It's pretty certain the Texans are going to take either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud in Indianapolis is sitting just a couple picks behind Houston, and the Colts need to stop putting Band-Aids on the quarterback position and invest in one of these guys, whether it's Stroud or Young, or if they like someone else who they can maybe get an additional pick for and slide down a little bit if they have a if they have a sleeper if they're going to outsmart everybody the way Ryan Pace did a few years ago when he moved up to grab Mitch Trubisky smartest guy in the room that night so that that's pretty much all I got on Jackson I eager to see how that plays out what is my suspicion I I, I suspect he'll wind up playing for the, with the restricted tag on him that's what I would bet on I wouldn't bet against Somebody trying to make a deal in this being a very tough call for the Ravens, however, because I, I, I have a suspicion not everybody there is on board. All right, on to Tua, and I'm just going to call him Tua, even though I'm not a big fan of the sports broadcasters calling guys only by their first name. First name. It sounds too fraternity house for me, but I'm going to do it because I don't want to keep screwing up the spelling or, or pronunciation or spelling of the last name. He will be 25 on the 2nd of March, and he had a terrific season. He completed almost 66% of his passes. When he was healthy, he was really, really good. When he was really good, you might recall their game in Baltimore when he scored 24, 28 points in the fourth quarter to erase a huge deficit and uh, hand the Ravens a big shot in the moon real early in the season. And a lot of us were saying we were wrong. We were absolutely wrong. This dude's got it. Six TD passes in that game. But some things have happened to Tua that make me wish he would do something other than what he's going to do this offseason. And in case you didn't see the story, what what Tua is doing to, to improve his chances of remaining head healthy after those two horrible graphic concussions and the neurological event 
in the nationally televised game, I think it was a Monday nighter, when his fingers were spread and involuntarily spasming. That is a neurological event. And I didn't know this until this morning because I am a disciple of Dr. Bennett Amalu, the Nigerian pathologist in Pittsburgh who discovered chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE. And I have watched this movie 10 times. I know it frontwards and backwards. I think I still probably am just an advanced beginner when it comes to understanding neurology, but I'm not a layman either. And what more people are saying now, and a recent study was released, I think from the University of Boston, that you don't have to have the repetitive subconcussive blows to get CTE. That kind of was the contention of Dr. Amalu when he was talking about the first guy who was diagnosed, Hall of Fame Steelers center Mike Webster, when they did the studies on the tissues of his brain and they found all these killer proteins that sort of envelop the brain and tell it what to do and it creates horrible just a horrible life. If you've not seen the movie, you should watch it because it's germane to these conversations. And if you have kids or grandkids who are playing football, this is information you should have. And what I learned this morning was Dr. Amalu actually made a statement after that hit uh, and after that event with Tua Taglia Viola. There it is. I broke my rule. I didn't tell you what he's going to do in the offseason, but let me tell you about Amalu. What he, he said, Tua, my man, I love you. I wish you would hang up your helmet. He is in, trying to implore the 24-year-old Dolphins left-handed quarterback to just walk away. And I can't disagree with that for one second. His parents, Tua's parents and they the family comes from Hawaii Galu I believe is his father's name and his mother has a much easier name to pronounce I believe she is Denise um also of of that heritage and they have been staunchly behind their son and you know cocky chested was was Galu and he said, you know, my son's going to play. There's not no question about it. He's coming back. This man, I'd be begging the kid, please don't. I would get so much, you know, I, I would just say, son, I love you so much. And man, walk away. You, you didn't, you didn't pee away your signing bonus. Hopefully um, you can earn a living in the league doing something other than playing football. Please do something else. Please don't do this anymore. He was just in such a state of peril, it seemed, neurologically, and it scared the shit out of me. And I felt the same way when I saw Luke Keekley of the Carolina Panthers a few years ago in a nationally televised game, an island game, I think also a Monday nighter when he was sitting up and he was in tears because he knew he had to go into concussion protocol. He knew he'd had too many already. What Tua is doing this offseason to improve his chances of reducing concussion issues is he's taking judo lessons. He's going to learn how to fall and not fall on his coconut. Oof. 
you know, the best way to avoid falling on your head, don't play football. <laughs> it's pretty simple. It is, you know, I admire him for being creative in that regard, but, you know, they, they say the adult male brain does not develop completely until we turn 25. Your brain is not fully formed. Women's brains form earlier. How can you count on this 24-year-old kid so still so starry-eyed and wide-eyed and wanting to conquer the world? It's difficult to, you know, when you're a teen and you're in your early 20s, you are infallible, man. Ain't nobody going to slow me down. Um, That's where mom and dad need to step up and just implore him. And I, I don't know how, I don't know how people in the medical team can't look at it the same way. I mean, I know the pressures they're under. One of the best sports books I ever read, and there aren't many of them. Dr. Rob Heisinga was the uh, trainer for the then Los Angeles Raiders. And I think he was with them in Oakland as well. And he wrote about, he was a team doctor and he later doctor to the stars, including OJ Simpson he wrote about the conflicts morally and ethically both. Um, and there is a difference. If you don't believe me, go watch election. You'll learn it. Matthew Broderick has, he's all over that. And it was fascinating how he had to make compromises. And that's what doctors on these medical staffs have to do. And that's what, you know, Alec Baldwin played that role very well in concussion when he said it's like tires and oil, you you give them whatever it takes to get them back on the track, the track being the field, whether it's Toradol, Vicodin, Lexapro, other antidepressants, anti-inflammatories, vitamins, uh, vitamin B12 shots, you know, whatever it takes to get them on the field is what these guys are paid to do. And they drink the Kool-Aid and their egos are, inflated i mean there's 32 of these teams in the in the world and each team probably has three or four doctors full-time on staff on the sideline on game day for the bears so many years it was uh dr mark bowen who did my left shoulder in 1998 and dr gordon newber who was the knee guy bowen the shoulder expert uh newber was the knee guy and uh, at the time, Gary Shapiro was in the Northwestern Orthopedics Department, and he did my spinal fusion and also has worked on a bunch of Bears players over the years. But uh, I, I don't know how they, they, in good conscience, can say, yeah, go do it. Go have at it. I don't, I don't get it. I am, uh, I am curious why I never heard this story about the Blackhawks and things Chris Chelios couldn't get done, and why he waived his no-trade contract with the Hawks years ago to play with the hated Red Wings. He said he didn't want to get into it, and then then he got into it. And he said one of the things they wanted him to do was play center. They wanted him to switch from the blue line where he was a Hall of Famer and still had a lot of miles left on the odometer. He played another 10 freaking years, I think, after he left the Hawks and a part of several Red Wings championship teams, hanging banners to the rafters in the old Joe Lewis. What a dump that place was. Absolutely horribly overrated. Cool name. Eh, Awful, awful stadium. Excuse me. So they wanted him to play center, 
And the other thing he complained about, he said that he, he couldn't live with, was them telling him he couldn't bring his kids to the rink. I would like to know more about that. Is he referring to practice sessions where he's expecting the kids to be able to sit behind the glass and run around and do whatever they want while the team is practicing? Look, that's your workplace, man. If that's what it is, I would side with the Hawks. I don't know what it is. He didn't get specific. As I mentioned, he said he didn't want to get into it, and then he brought up a couple of things. So um, I'll be curious to find out if there's any follow-up to that. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have this experience too often anymore because I've been doing this for a long time, but there are, there are opportunities and things that I still get to do that excite the hell out of me, and one of them will be tomorrow when I host my terrestrial radio show on WJOB AM 1230 in Hammond, you can get it on the tune in app free anywhere in the world. And you can watch it for free as well on Jed TV. Pat Foley is going to be our guest at bridges scoreboard restaurant and sports bar. That's in Griffith, Indiana. You can follow them on Facebook bridges scoreboard or on Twitter at scoreboard one twenty one. Uh, My partner, Vandy, and I will do the first hour between noon and one, and then Foley will join us between one and two. He'll stick around and sign autographs and take pictures afterward. He was enshrined in the Hockey Hall of Fame, the winner of the Foster Hewitt Award, uh, eight years ago now. I think it was 2014, so I have to check my math on that. And uh, he's one of the greatest voices in the history of the game, and I am just... So excited to be interviewing Pat now that he is in his first year removed from the Blackhawks booth. He got to do one of the outdoor games this year in Boston on New Year's Day. I don't even know who the participants were. I assume the Bruins were one of them. But uh, my former producer, Judd Surratt, is the voice of the Bruins on the radio side. And I talked with Judd recently. He said he, he ran into the Pat there. But I hate the way it ended for Foley. I know he wanted to continue to go. I don't know how much he'll want to talk about that tomorrow, but I want to get his picks for his Mount Rushmore of Chicago play-by-play voices. In my world, he is on that mountain. He's on it with Jack Brickhouse, Harry Carey, and Hawk Harrelson. I don't think there's much room for debate. I mean, we can debate any name you want to. You want to give me Chip Carey? I'll give you a... Come on, old glory, old glory, blow it in the wriggly breezes. Come on, man, who? Who is more synonymous with their teams than those four guys? And whether Brickhouse was doing the White Sox in the 50s or the Cubs and Bears in the 60s, he did every team in town at some point. But he was identifiable with the White Sox when they went to the 59 World Series. He was certainly Mr. Cub when Ernie Banks really was Mr. Cub, but that Cubs team that had four or five Hall of Famers on it that won absolutely nothing of 1969. Brickhouse was the voice that so many of us grew up listening to and admiring. He was the voice of the Bears, and he did it all. And Hawk Harrelson for for how many years? 30 years almost in the the Sox booth, and a bigger-than-life personality identifiable, a man who made catchphrases, whammy. Uh, It wasn't whammy. That was champs. But you get my drift on what Hawk did. Come on. Harry Carey, Jack Brickhouse, Hawk Harrelson, Pat Foley. Those easily, 
I'd love, I challenge you to give me another name that deserves to be on the same level as those four cats. Cause there isn't one. Now you can say Joe McConnell was a great announcer in the bears booth before Wayne Larrabee. And you're absolutely freaking right. Joe could call a game. Never had the, the cachet of any of these other guys. He never did television. He did radio only. And it was an arrow in the bears, despite having some great players in Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers drafted both in the first round in 1965. Not a bad draft. They won nothing. So Joe McConnell, nah, nah. Wayne Larrabee, same thing. Great voice, radio only. You got it. If you're going on Mount Rushmore, you got to have TV presence. I don't care how good you are as a radio man. And there have been some really good ones. Vince Lloyd was doing good doing Cubs games. Uh, Lloyd Pettit was great doing the Blackhawks many, many years ago. A lot of guys my age went to sleep with the transistor radio earplug on on Sunday nights. Lloyd Pettit bringing us home. But uh, I I just think that uh, it's those four guys and everybody else. And uh, lastly, I have a couple of college basketball nuggets. If you love March Madness, let me uh, point you in the direction of Desplaines. Hello. Right off of the Tri-State, which is where you can find Rivers Casino. I'm going to be doing an event there two weeks from tonight on Thursday, March 9. It's a March Madness party with Clark Kellogg, the uh, longtime CBS college basketball analyst. He's going to take your questions. He's going to give his picks for the tournament. We're going to talk about his career. Um, Just doing a little college basketball notebooking this morning, saying, ah, do I have anything fun to talk with Clark about regarding his alma mater, Ohio State? No, they've won three games all year. There's only one team below them in the Big Ten standings. So not really much there, but Clark was a guy I, I met early in my career when he was just in his second second year in the NBA with the Pacers years ago, a former Big Ten most valuable player. Clark Kellogg, that's March 9, Thursday, March 9 at Rivers Casino. You have to be 21 or over to, uh, to get in. And then, of course, uh, we'll do that in the big event center. And then everybody can go to the sports book and start making a little bit of money. Speaking of which, should I take Northwestern getting the five and a half tonight at, at Illinois? Northwestern, did you know this, is ranked 21st in the country right now? Chris Collins, yeah, go Cats. 591 Cats, Pat Fitzgerald. Chris Collins is a guy I've known since he was at Duke or shortly after his Duke career, he might've been a Duke assistant, but I used to, uh, we used to have Doug Collins, his dad on the score all the time as a basketball analyst when he was working with TNT. And one year we did a Doug Collins roast at Highland park country club. And I played golf with Chris He's a great guy. I, I haven't talked to him in probably 10 years need to extend an olive branch to him and wish him luck. If he gets back to the tourney this year, remember that one year when Northwestern made the NCAA tournament, man, was that great one year, one year, the tournament began in 1939. They've been to the NCAA basketball tournament once in school history. That was in 2017. Chris Collins was the head coach. I can't think of, 
Of many things that are more embarrassing than that in Chicago sports, it never gets mentioned with the you know Bears quarterbacks or receivers historically or the long absence of titles at Wrigley Field, 108 years, and the Sox went 80-some years before they got their next one in 05. It's... This this is just amazing to me. They have won one NCAA tournament game in school history, and I remember everybody, all the all the newscasters. You'd see uh, Judy Sue on ABC Seven wearing a, a purple dress that day to wish the Northwestern Wildcats good luck in their second round game. Man, you got to do better than that. You got it. You got. How can you only make it once? All those years in college football, you need 12 MFers if you're going to win six or seven games and go to a bowl game. In college basketball, you need two studs, maybe three, two studs in a good supporting cast, and you should be a tournament team. You should once in a while be middle of the pack in the Big Ten and and win enough game. They didn't do it forever there. And whether it was Falk or O'Neal or Carmody, um, you know, the late Ricky Bird song. Wow. What a horrible 4th of July weekend that was uh, when he was murdered, uh, hate crime up in Evanston, just awful. But they never got to a tournament, man. You need two guys, three guys and you're an NCAA tournament team. You're a Big Ten school. Duke had high academic standards. They did it. Stanford had high academic standards. They did it. Northwestern's been there once. They're a five-and-a-half-point underdog tonight against the Fighting Illini in Champaign. Who do you love? By the way, the record for NCAA uh, tournament appearances, Kentucky, 58 of them. 58 NC2A appearances for the Wildcats. That'll wrap this one up. Thank you very much for listening. Those of you who subscribe, thank you. Please tell your friends about the podcast. Adam Delavitt is the boss at Bet Rivers. Sam Michael produces the show. I'll be back Monday. Have yourself a hell of a weekend. I'm Danny Mack. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mack Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 